When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Laura Sanjacomo and Zach and Dustin and I were sitting around talking and we decided to just hit the record button and it turned into an amazing episode of $2 Late Fee. I'm sure you'll want to tune in for karate pasta sauce in the kitchen. <laughs> Before there was imdb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats! You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them. All in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Hollywood. Everybody comes to Hollywood got a dream. What's your dream? When I was a little girl, I would pretend I was a princess trapped in the tower, and then this knight on a white horse would come charging up and rescue me. Touchstone Pictures presents Richard Gere. So what happened after? He climbed up the tower and rescued her. Julia Roberts. She rescues him right back. Pretty woman. Maybe you guys could, like, um, get a house together. Buy some diamonds. Oh! <laughs> it's season four of Two Dollar Late Fee. Dustin doesn't like this song, but we got some stuff coming for you because we're gonna talk about King of Wishful Thinking. That was terrible. Interesting. That was terrible. Interesting. Okay. Well, at first I was like, oh, he's doing an original. And I was like, no, I think it's Go West. But it was Go West. It was definitely Go West. It was Go West. It was um, Go West, King of Wishful Thinking, in the key of King of Wishful Thinking. Well, I tried. I failed. I would say, well, it's not about trying or failing. It's just that, you know, you're singing a song I, I do not like. Uh, I know. Way. I so, know. So I'm not going to be like, that was great. I mean, aesthetically, it was great. But... Uh, you know, but it's it's just it's like uh, like I hate when you punch me in the arm. You're like I'm just punching the arm to start it off, and I'm like, well, I wow, guess that was good. You're comparing King of Wishful Thinking to a punch in the arm. It is. It's metaphorically like a punch in. If my brain is my arm, then that's what it's like every time I hear wow. that song. It's it's wow. uh, uh, anyway, season four, how you doing? How was your, how was your break? Did you yeah, we'll, make any new we'll friends? Get to that. Did you- <laughs> we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We had a, a little hiatus, but we're back. We're back. 
Another song you don't like. Back in the New York groove. Uh, uh, I like that one better than than uh, King of Wishful Thinking. Here yeah. I am with a fistful of dollars. Yeah. That one's all right. I mean, I don't. It's not I don't terrible. It. I actually, I like it a lot. Um, it does not surprise me. I'm singing me. it all the time, actually. No, we, we went on a hiatus, but we're back. Back in the New York groove? We're back right. in the $2 groove. Um, <clears throat> How are you doing? You feel recharged, refreshed? We're back. I Yeah, I feel pretty good. You know, um, I'm excited about all the new things we got cooking. I'm excited. Um, you know, we've been doing this now for, uh, whew, I mean, we're coming up on our year four, really. Yeah. Uh, to the inception. And if you are a first time listener, welcome, baby, because it's the it's the 80s movies podcast that you probably didn't even know you were missing. And now you're like, how did I not, you know, once this is over, you're gonna be like, wow, this how is how did I miss these guys? This is great. For all our new listeners, we have a back catalog that's, dare I say, very impressive. Um, he dared. And you guys, for everyone who has been with us since day one, and there are a lot of you, not just our parents, uh, so thank you. Our parents came you, in at like day seven. I mean, I think so they did. not even yeah. day one people. Yeah. I think my dad actually was, yeah, maybe a couple years in. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is, I mean, my dad, shout yeah. out to my dad. Yeah. He he. Loves the podcast, sports this one. He's one of our sponsors. <laughs> he sure is. Navy SEALs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, season four, we got a lot in store for you. And we wanted to kick off our first episode with a very mainstream film, probably our most mainstream film we've ever had, but it connects with our future guest. Before we talk about all that stuff, and you know what the episode's going to be about because you saw the logo or the art for our show. If you have not subscribed to our Patreon, you might want to consider doing it right now. We dropped the fees uh, to a very reasonable price, $5 a month, I think, is is the, the buy-in price. Um, the content on there is so good, dare I say, the best uh, that you'll get because we produce the hell out of this stuff. We put blood, sweat, and tears into it. And then we've added a whole interactive piece where Patreons will have the opportunity to be a part of the show once a month. So go to our Patreon. The links are in the show notes, blah, 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 blah. I'm doing it now because you might not listen to the full end of this episode. Yeah. Um, just go check it out. Always good to do. And you might be saying, well, how can I be a part of the show? And the way you're a part of the show is we is basically two ways. We have uh, for every celebrity guest that comes on, we ask them a very special segment, a question segment called $2, six questions. They're all your questions. So, um, you know, we ask them on behalf of you, but I, you know, you can record them, send them to us. We'll play them for the guest. You know, you, you can hear your voice. You will get a shout out, obviously. Um, and then the other thing is we have a live, uh, trivia show, which is, which is pop culture. It's kind of like you against me. Um, you come on, many patrons have come on. They've, they've beaten me in, in pop culture trivia. It's not that hard. Um, but sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it is. I won't, I won't, I won't make, you know, but I want to, I want to inspire you to be like, oh yeah, let me give it a go. But yeah, you, uh, you join up, you have a live trivia show. You move on to the next round against other patrons. You win prizes. It's that good. It is that good. I dare I say. You're do, uh, doing well, a lot of daring I say today. I mean, yeah, you I'm dared three times. Dare back. No, you can, you can do it. I'm just saying it's like 
that is the level of uh, emphasis that we're putting on these things. I mean, to dare to say that something is is this good three times. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I actually reminds me of Cleavon Little in um, Blazing Saddles when he goes, dare, dare. Yeah. Is, it, is right? it Blazing Saddles that he says that in? Well, I think I, it is. I hope it is because we've just established ourselves as pros. <laughs> not, I mean, not really. I mean, you know, look, you guys know, we know 80s movies, you know, 80s movies. That's why you're here. You're going to revisit some stuff. Um, Pretty Woman, in 90s fact. 90s too. 90s too. I mean, that's what we're talking about. 90s, 90, 90, today's 1990 movie. Uh, big year for movies. Big year for Laura San Giacomo who had not one but two movies come out. And um, this is the one that made her a star um, in our eyes as she plays Julia Roberts' best friend, Kit DeLuca, in, in Pretty Woman. Dare I say it? I'm, oh, God, dare I again. <laughs> and now you're in your own head about it. It's like, uh-oh. Well, I, ha- I have sayings all the time now, apparently. Um, and I guess that's my new one. But this was a star-making vehicle for... Julia Roberts, too. Right. That would be an appropriate, She'd... dare I say. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, but then everyone would be like, well, why'd you dare? Because it's just facts. <laughs> the movie made, I mean, how much money did the movie make? $450 million? Yeah, it's like the highest grossing romantic comedy of all yeah. time. It is uh, probably, this isn't fact, but I'm, I'm assuming it's probably one of the highest grossing R-rated movies of all time Mm -hmm. because of its mainstream quality uh it wasn't originally meant to be what it turned out to be originally it was much darker and we hear that all the time from filmmakers that come on our show well the original script was much darker and you know joe dante for example talked about how inner space was supposed to be a, a legit like just spy movie you know and well it became the classic that it is thankfully Pretty Woman, though, is a movie that I had never seen up until we just watched it the other day, or I watched it the other day. Yeah, I mean, this is the the the. Well, first of all, I love I love when we kind of do rom coms because we don't do them that often. Number one, no. uh, number two is like that we always like let's revisit these movies, see if they hold up. But I I was under the impression that I had seen this, but I realized it's just because it was so mainstream that it was almost like my brain created this memory that I had seen it. Cause as soon as I started watching it, I was like, this does not seem familiar at all to me. Same. Um, you know, certainly parts segments, you, you know, we've seen the, the, uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was like nominated for Academy Awards. So like by that alone, you, you kind of know a lot of the, the moments, uh, cause they were in mainstream culture and the movie's been, um, satired a lot. It's referenced a lot. So it just becomes this thing where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen this. But the reality is this. Yeah, this this movie made four hundred and sixty three million dollars worldwide and was the fourth grossing film of all time uh, at the time of its release behind only E.T. Star Wars and Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. That's 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 shocking. I think what's most shocking is that Last Crusade out of all of those is on that list. Yeah, which I actually think that's a very boring movie. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Lie. I think so too. But then you kind of factor in like inflation, the Indiana Jones oh. brand, um, yeah, Sean Connery. Um, you know, I mean, because the Last Crusade, and not that I really want to talk about that movie, but but you know, it is um, 
it is one of those movies where you had River Phoenix in the beginning and you had, um, you know, very young River Phoenix, uh, rest in peace. Uh, but you had um, this this comedic uh, relationship between, you know, Sean Connery and Junior, you know, yeah. Harrison oh, Ford. So, and it's just like, me. and it's great. Kills me. Um, it's, it's not. So, oh, okay, well. <laughs> I just I don't like him saying junior. I actually like their relationship. Junior. But I don't like Junior. And then there's the weird angle that they both slept with the same woman. Indiana was the dog's name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really gross. Yeah, that is gross. To think about that. Oh. You and your you, you and your dad night. have not slept with the same woman. Oh my god. Oh, dude. right. It's disgusting <laughs> to even say it. It's so I mean, gross when you on. think about it in your own. You know, none of us even want to believe that we were conceived. Much less. Well, it's just so weird. They both yeah. slept with the same woman who turned out to be a Nazi. Spoiler, uh, or not really. Right. So but bad judgment it, it, for both. And of I them. think the comedic tone of that movie was so just over the top. It just hit so hard. And when uh, yeah, when did I, you see it last? Um, last year. Okay. Yeah. And I watched it with Bodie, and he, you know, he's a very patient kid when it comes to movies. He doesn't he doesn't tap out early on. And maybe 30 minutes in, I was ready to tap out. I was like, this is, that scene's still going on? It's a very long. Were you watching in order? No. No, you were just like, I'm going to watch Lance Crusade, buddy. It's so random that it got brought up too. I I don't remember exactly all the details, but I do remember uh, maybe seeing it on the TV. I'm like, oh, should we watch that? Oh, okay. Okay. You didn't put it on. You didn't didn't pull out the old Blu-ray and. Fire it up. It. You don't even own it. Okay. Well, that says nope. that says a lot. Oh, boy. It does. Tells you my disdain. That doesn't for own it. It's real bad. Would you own uh, Raiders? Uh, I don't. Oh. Do you but own, I would. Do you own Temple of Doom? No. See, and now that, you got to go out. You got to get yourself a Temple of Doom, and then you got to you gotta have a uh, short round sign it. The true, true. He's, I do he's own gonna uh, win the Crystal Oscar, Skull. And then it'll be worth something. That that's that is you true. own Crystal Skull, true. the worst one. I own the Crystal Skull. No, I'm just joking. Oh, I do not. Goodness. I've actually never seen that. Um, actually, I've seen clips of that, like I did with Pretty Woman. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Woman. I I remember, just like you, watching it, going, "Oh, I remember that scene. Oh, I remember yeah. that scene." Um, but then big chunks of it going, "Whoa, I did not know this. Whoa, I did not realize Jason Alexander's character is such a piece right. of crap." Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember people saying that. But I don't remember, like, yeah. in the context of actually sitting down and watching it. This movie was so mainstream, so huge. Um, and I, you and I both were teenagers at the time. And I don't know about you, but this was not on my radar. It was not on my radar to go see a romantic comedy starring Richard Gere and a relatively new Julia Roberts. Yeah. Because what would I, let me see. Uh, I would have been 12, I think. I, you know, it's uh, seeing rom-coms in general just wasn't on my radar. Well, I'm going to list off some of the movies that had come out that summer. Uh, Well, not that summer, but in 1990. Okay. Fair. Some of the 1990 movies that had come out were Total Recall. Yeah. Loved it. Saw that in the theater. Yeah, you tell me if you saw these in the theater yeah, or not. For sure I did. Uh Die Hard 2. Uh yes. Dances with Wolves. No, too long. Oh, I remember there being an intermission. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so weird. There's an intermission. It was um, it was yeah. Dick too long. Dick Tracy. Uh yep, saw that in theater. 
The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Uh, did not see that in the theater. Oh, really? Oh. Almost an Angel, starring um, Paul Hogan. No, no, I did not see that in the theater. Really? Yeah. Okay. Arachnophobia. Why do you sound surprised by that? That was, that was he wasn't Crocodile Dundee. That, no, but that he you was. would see in the theater. I th- I don't think the the sequel to Dundee had I had that come out yet. Mm, I don't know, sure. man. If we ever go down the Crocodile Dundee rabbit hole, oh, I have so much to say. We might have to, but yeah, I mean that just gives you a a taste. I don't want to give too many away. Oh, I'll, I will say Kindergarten Cop. Did you see Kindergarten uh, yes. Cop in the theater? Yes, I saw that multiple times in the theater, and I think because that one became a birthday party selection. That's a perfect one yep. to go with friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last one I'll list off for now is uh, Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Did not see that in theater. Okay. I saw yeah. all of those in theater. Wow. Um, with your mom? Because that's with all you mom? did. With my mom. With my mom. Yep. Your mom took you to Ford Fairlane? I uh, I actually went with my brother to see okay. Ford Fairlane. Nice. Because we were both big Dice fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, we got to get... David Patrick Kelly back on the show to talk about his role yeah. in the adventures of four. Cause again, scene stealer. Um, but yeah, there were so many movies coming out at that time. Video was not what it was by the mid nineties where things were coming out a lot sooner on mm-hmm. video. You still had to wait a little while. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just went by the wayside and then it would show up on cable and then being a teenager. I'm like, Oh, is it scene where they're, they're in the bathtub? And then I watched that scene again, and I'm like, wow, there's a close-up shot of Richard Gere's nipple, like, often. Often. Yeah. Well, his nipples were very big um, uh, show um, uh, showstoppers. You know, big draw. Big, were they? Big draw. Yeah, his nipples had their own um, uh, uh, riders. Names? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this contract. is John. This is Frank. This is Frank, the nipple this Frank. This is pretty and this is woman. That are my yeah, nipples. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Named after this movie. It's going to be a hit. I don't know why. It's I... really a weird scene, actually. That scene in particular in Pretty Woman. Um, because they spend a long time with like close-up shots of Richard Gere's chest. And I guess in a way, it's the, the flip side of what they often do to exploit female actors in movies where, you know, you get close-up shot of their chest and I turn about as fair play. I sure. just don't think it's sexy. Sure. Um, right off the bat, I'm going to say I really enjoyed this. Um, Me too. I was too. pleasantly surprised, in fact, um, because I was really expecting it to have, uh, you know, just a lot of things that, that were not going to hold up and I was going to be like, oh, groan or whatever. But I, I thought... Uh, Julia Roberts is adorable in this movie. Just just to start off, I want to say, you know, I want to, I don't want to confuse our our listeners and, and like, well, what are, what are, you know, are they talking positively or negatively about it? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's a positive experience, and I think, um, I think if you're listening, obviously, it's probably a positive experience for you because um, it was extremely charming. But I've I've never really found Julia Roberts to be that, that uh, adorable, and I found her super adorable. I found Laura San Giacomo super adorable. Um, Hector Elizondo. I, I found, I, I mean, I'll go. I found so, him adorable. Yeah. I mean, I'll go so far as saying everybody in this movie was adorable except Richard Gear. I was kind of like, eh. And, and obviously not Jason Alexander. 
but well, it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, Hector Hector Elizondo and Laura San Giacomo are, in my opinion, what um, a supporting actor, like a really good supporting actor, is supposed to be. Where they yeah. they stand out in every single scene that they're in, but they they don't take away from the lead actor. You know, they don't overshadow them, but man, you don't want to stop watching them. Yeah. Like I want to see a whole movie about Kit DeLuca, which would be a lot darker because her character, you know, they, they sugarcoat the, the heavier subjects in this movie, which I'm totally fine with. I think that was the thing going into this too. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this movie because it's going to be a total sanitized version of like gritty Hollywood, mm-hmm. late eighties. Yeah. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with escapism. And I think that's what happened to me watching this. I'm like, this is a total escapist film. You know, I watched it with Kristen, my wife, and and she's like, oh, man, that the, the kind of Cinderella story angle at the end is so cheesy. That doesn't hold up. I'm like, true. I get that. But overall, I feel like this movie is is a reminder of what movies are supposed to be, where you're supposed to l- escape from things. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it, it, this is a good time to do that, especially in the climate of everything going on in the world today. All, yeah, it, it's just a fun, it's a fun, harmless film. Yeah. It's a little long. It's a little long, though. I don't think it has to hold up, like, or, or has to, um, you know, like, yeah, it could be a little bit cheesy, but I, I think we should first congratulate Kristen on watching it. Um, cause yeah, that's, it doesn't happen. That never that. happens. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, she just she learned will only watch that you had a podcast. The, the, like you know, speaking of day one listeners, she's like a day three hundred and sixty five listener. So <laughs> this is really exciting um, for me. Well, the personally. day we get someone from Smartless on, then she'll want right. <laughs> if Jason Bateman wants to come on and, and kind of revisit Team Wolf Two with us, that would be a treat. Well, I love how Stuart Fracken was like, I want to give a shout out to this great podcast. Uh, smartless. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because they don't need any more people right. plugging them. Oh, the the $80 million deal, Smartless? Yeah, we have not <laughs> not familiar with that. Um, I'm not bitter. Um, well, there's nothing to be bitter about. I mean. No, of course not. Of course not. If if Kristen, um, if, if we ever cover Girls Just Want to Have Fun or So I Married an Axe Murderer, she'll definitely yeah. have lots to say about What year two. is So I Married an Axe Murderer? 91? 92? I feel like it's 91 or 93. Yeah. Um, don't have it at the top of my head great movie um 93 yep i was right very quotable well done my god yes but anyways yeah so maybe maybe a quick synopsis for those that are not familiar with pretty woman or you're familiar like us like where you thought you were familiar and you're like oh that's the premise well uh, maybe i'll read the imdb yeah by, great and then you tell me how accurate that that's is. great okay a man in a legal but hurtful business <laughs> needs an escort for some social events and hires a beautiful prostitute he meets. Dot dot dot. Only to fall in love. Oh my god! Is that a is that a user's description? Nope. That is the top <laughs> that description for IMDb. Is so funny. Uh, what do you think about that? I think that's terrible. I agree. <laughs> a man in a legal but hurtful business. That is the best thing I've ever heard. I wish that was the name of our podcast, Legal But Hurtful. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I think we just rebranded. Yeah. Legal. It's legal, but it's hurtful. I mean, that's so good. Oh. Um, hey, or it's hurtful, but it's legal. 
Oh my God. That is so funny. Well, um, that's not really accurate. Um, no, <laughs> Richard Gere, right? He's a character. His name's Edward Lewis. He lives in New York, but he's in LA on business. And what is his business? It's like he buys other businesses. He doesn't make anything. He doesn't, he doesn't make anything. He doesn't, uh, sell anything. What is it? He's like, I don't manufacture. I don't, right. He just buys up businesses and then, and then breaks them up and then sells them again without yeah, and, and, caring and the, the whole people. time he says this is he talks with that same tone. I buy businesses. I don't do anything with the businesses. The businesses are just businesses. It kind of sounds a little like Gene Simmons if he took all the inflection out. You, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. He's very- I, got, I get these things. I'm you from know, New York. He's very wealthy. He's, uh, he's trying to get to Beverly Hills from uh, Hollywood and uh, meets Julie Roberts out on the street. She's a prostitute. She's a woman of the night. Her name is Vivian- She's a prostitute. Vivian Ward is her name. And he needs directions. He needs directions. So they make a quick agreement, you know, you give me 20 bucks, I'll tell you where to go. You give me 40, I'll show you where to go. Some, something to that effect. And Well, it's five, then 20. It's five, then 20. 20, to, she gets in the car and she shows him where to go. 20, she gets in the car. And then 100 for the night? Yes, is that, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, we're sort of in the right ballpark, I feel like. But uh, yeah, but it's all like a business arrangement. They get to the hotel. He's like, why don't you uh, come on up? But it isn't like needs needs someone for social <laughs> for social purposes or something. That turns into the rest of the, the like the next day, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but ultimately he um, buys a week. You know, would you like to, how much for the week? Um, and five grand, right? I think, was it five grand? Oh boy, yeah. yeah. I think it was. Um, but anyway, you know, of course, inevitably they they fall in love, feelings become stronger. And um, and then you've got, uh, you know, Kit DeLuca, played by Laura San Giacomo, who is um, Julie Roberts' roommate and and mentor, prostitute mentor, yes. has, has shown her how to do it. Uh, why to do it? Um, a great way to to branch out, have no pimp. You know, you can be free. Uh, entrepreneurial, <laughs> entrepreneurship, uh, one hundred and one, um, and uh, and then Hector Elizondo, um, who we mentioned, is the manager of the hotel. I guess the yes. the really really super, and of course it's super fancy. Richard Gere is very very wealthy. Um, I thought it was interesting. How you know in Hector Elizondo they they have she has a scene he has a scene with Julie Roberts to begin where they're kind of meeting and he's like you know do you know Mr. Lewis Mr. Lewis is a very um, very prime customer but then later when he meets Mr. Lewis they don't know each they don't know each other I thought that no. that was kind of weird and I and that was the relationship where I was like I really hope that Hector Elizondo and Richard Gere develop a relationship not. Not sexually or romantically, of course, but 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 just as people, because it sort of hints at that, and and that was something where I was like, oh, I I kind of want that, and then we don't get that. But I understand he, he that's it wouldn't serve anything because Hector Alexander is a friend to Julia Roberts. But anyway, yeah, but this movie 
possibly bears a sequel. Like a fun sequel. There were so many follow-up sequels that kind of felt meaningless. They didn't need to do it. Major League 2 comes to mind. They didn't need to make a sequel to Major League 2, Major League. But no. they did. And, and no. it was fine. You no. could have easily done a sequel to this. Well, there's a whole reason I think they did the sequels to so many of those Warner Brother movies, I think, or Paramount movies, because they had some sort of contract. There's a whole discussion about that, about why they made sequels to these movies because they own the rights and they needed something that would make money and blah, blah, blah. Um, this this could have had a nice sequel to it, a follow-up showing, you know, Vivian. They allude to Vivian falling in love with San Francisco because she goes up there for a day with uh, to, to the opera. Right. With Edward. Right. And, you know, follow-up to them being in San Francisco and then Vivian coming up to stay and – or sorry, Kit DeLuca coming up to stay and you know getting her ged and and then you know we're owning a salon or working at a salon who knows um stuff like that yeah yeah well uh, you know according to some of the people in this movie who have been asked many times like was there going to be a sequel what's going on um apparently runaway run runaway bride is looked at as the unofficial sequel oh have you um, seen that movie i have not neither have yeah. i but I did see my best friend's wedding. I did see that. Yeah, I don't uh, because Dermot Mulroney was in. That. Yes, I don't. I don't have any interest uh, in the Runaway Bride. I'm, Neither do I. I. Can barely say the Runaway Bride. So, well, honestly, I didn't have any interest in this movie until we had the opportunity to interview Laura San Giacomo, who will be our next guest uh, on the show. And then I watched it, and like like I said earlier, and like you said, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, there were moments and then so many of the actors that you mentioned already popped up and I'm like, oh, wow, it's so cool to see Jason Alexander playing a scumbaggy role, um, outside of his character, George Costanza on Seinfeld, you know, and Ralph Bellamy, whose last role, uh, was in Pretty Woman. He, of course, is from Trading Places, but I mean, the guy actually is a, he's a, he's a legendary actor. Yeah. He's been in. Everything from The Wolfman in 1941 um, to playing Randolph Duke. I think most people will recognize him from that role the Duke Brothers. in Trading Places. Yep. And in this, it's like such a heartfelt, uh, just such a heartfelt character where you have so much sympathy for him and his son, like their relationship, yeah. because they go into a deal with a financial. That's kind of the subplot to this movie is that Edward. Uh, is trying to take over their business, and he's very cold. He's very withdrawn. He's had relationships. He's been married, uh, but he doesn't pay attention to the women in his life. He doesn't care for them the way you should care for someone that you're in a relationship with. And Vivian turns him around in a week. Um, it's all it but takes. you know, you're you're supposed to buy into the whole idea that they'll live happily ever after. Fairy tale. I'm okay with that. I don't need to go into the world building of afterwards, oh, the relationship will fall apart because he'll go back into his typical tropes of, you know, I don't do that with this. Yeah. Um, what I do with this is go, wow, you know, he it, it's a cool relationship. He was told, I think, Gary Marshall was like, look, she's the, she's the high note, you're the medium note the whole time. Gary like, Marshall was told this? Like he told Richard Gere. Oh, I like see, basically, I see. You are supposed to play this. You're you're supposed to be flatline through the whole thing. Yeah, and she's the one who goes high and gets emotion. You know, 
she shows off the the, the wild moments because yeah. apparently Richard Gere was doing that kind of earlier in the original shooting of this film, and then he um, he was Gary Marshall's like, nope, just keep it just too subtle. much, too much, yeah. Which is like you said, you know, he doesn't stand out a whole lot in this because he's not supposed to. Yeah, I don't love spoiling anything that we talk about. However, um, you know, I I did sort of. Like you said, it was a week-long relationship. And yes, maybe he was being a little entitled and he's saying, you know, like, I'm going to set you up with an apartment and blah, blah, blah. But like, what does she want from him? Because, right, it's like either you're going to move to New York or you're going to move somewhere else. And really, when you're as wealthy as Richard Gere, you can have places all over the world. Um, yeah. You can you can have villas in, in Italy, whatever. But um, so... You know, a happy ending is sort of a relative term. I think she just didn't want to be like, you know, uh, I'll see you when I see you. Here's a place. Stick around. You know, be 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 available whenever I'm in town. Like, I get that yeah. part. But um, uh, also, I, I, I wanted to say that Ralph Bellamy is in one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies, uh, Disorderlies. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. With Isn't the fat the boys. Main? He's, he's he's the guy that they care for, right? He's the guy that yeah, that that you know is is essentially close to death and uh it's a real stupid movie, but I've seen it at least 30 times and um that's hilarious yeah. that that's one of your favorite 80s movies. It's <clears throat> well, I don't even I I don't know know what year that is. I should really check because I think it's the it's the mid 80s. Is it? All right. Yep. So that was, it was before, it was before this. It was 87. Okay. Yep. Right. You said that this was Ralph Bellamy's last movie. So that would make sense. And apparently I think this is uh, one of Hank Azaria's first movies. So the flip side. Oh. Did you notice the Hank Azaria moment? Yeah. Absolutely. One of his first. uh, That's cool. There's a, there's a deeper kind of um, subtext that apparently was cut from this and on the DVD, there's deleted scenes about like a drug dealer character and uh, being involved with Vivian and Kit mm. and more to that story, oh, making okay. it a little bit edgier and darker, which, you know, save that for, I don't know, edgy and dark work in comedies. Sometimes it takes away a little bit. Yeah. Like I love, um, I love the movie Dream Team with Michael Keaton. And Christopher Lloyd and Stephen sure. Furst. And if you guys have never seen The Dream Team, it's great. Uh, watch it. But there is a dark subtext to it, subplot, right? That involves James Remar, of all people. Uh, and you guys know we love James Remar. Right. But I would have preferred it to just simply be kind of a lighthearted comedy. Right, and the guy that's the actor that's kind of like overseeing them, uh, yes, ends up He's not dead, but name. but just like not in a hospital in bed. the hospital for most of it, in a coma, in a think, coma. Yeah, it's serious. Yeah, right. Yeah, that guy. By the way, he was that guy is uh, Dennis Butsikarius. Yeah, Butsikaris, He uh, speaking from, of Crocodile Dundee, he was in the second one. And he doesn't, he get killed in the second one? He does get killed. Yeah. He doesn't bode so, well uh, in a lot of movies. 
And he's in uh, Batteries Not Included as well. Oh, yeah. He does good in that one. <laughs> I love that. He survives one. in that. He lives in that. Saw that one um, at least three times in the theater, too. Again, birthday parties. Batteries Not Included? Yeah, birthday party. It was a birthday party summer. <laughs> birthday party. I remember so clearly being in the theater. My brother was there, too. He was like three rows up in front of me. And the robots came on the screen, and he was like, that's Batteries Not Included. Like, that was <laughs> that was his name for them, or he thought that that was like the name. Which is really funny. Were your birthday movies PG movies or PG-13 movies only? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I don't know. What batteries not included is not. Is it PG-13? There might be some cursing. I think it's PG. I don't know. That's dark. It's dark, though. I'm not a huge fan of that film. I feel like it's in the, because it's so dark. Uh, it's, it is dark, but it, it's, it's PG. Yeah. It's a sci-fi family film. But again, it's got those moments, those dramatic moments. Yeah. Yeah, there's some bad guys and My birthday oh, movie was man. Predator. We went to see Predator on my birthday in 1987. Yeah. Wow. Um so my mom, my mom took all this So she crazy. Mean, the parents needed to sign permission slips or releases or something. Uh, you know what? I, now looking back, everyone that went, I'm like, "Wow, that was Pushing the envelope. It kind of is, right? But it's, you know, it's an R-rated movie. There's some swearing, but it's mostly gore. And, you know, back back then, gore was not that big of a deal. So June 12th, 1987. That's right, baby. Um, Yeah, so so Pretty Woman doesn't have that element to it. It really doesn't. I mean, Jason, it does have that moment with Jason Alexander where he gets dark. Yeah. That's the probably the darkest moment of the movie, but it's over in a half a second. No it's one's in danger fast. really. There Yeah, you know nowadays you know where that would go. Yeah, there'd be a um, pimp. Yeah. For sure. There'd be some confrontation with a pimp. And she'd get beat up. Or yeah, kidnapped at least. Yeah, there'd have to be some dramatic scene at the end. Richard Gere probably climbing up a fire escape. I mean, he does climb up a fire escape, but, you know, climbing up a, yeah, for a different reason or some underworld. Uh, and they thing. did have that essentially, but they cut it out. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't belong in there. No. I like it that it doesn't. I like movies that are just simply, again, like we said earlier, you kind of lose yourself in it and you don't have to, at the end of the day, yep. your heart rate doesn't go above a certain beat you know what i mean like it just it's very yeah very nice and gary marshall is the king of nice yep he is <laughs> i mean uh, rest in peace gary marshall he died in uh, 2016 he's done so many movies and and i think you know we if you don't know who gary marshall is if you know if you ever saw a league of their own or um my god i, I mean what other movies would you say he's known for well, the problem is, is I think later in his career, he started doing those um, holiday, I want to call them like montages, but that's not even the right word. Those those little like short stories that all lead up and they're just the worst pieces like of crap. New Year's Day, Valentine's Day. Yes. Yeah. New Year's Eve. Is it New Year's Day? Yes. Yeah. So that um, sort of, I don't want to say, you know, tainted his legacy. Um, but a little bit. 
you look at his overall body of work and it is kind of all over the place, not in a bad way. New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. Oh, just like yeah, terrible. But he did do Overboard, um, you know, and he did do Runaway Runaway Bride, which is, uh, as we said, the sequel to this and The Princess Diaries. Flamingo Kid. Um, Nothing in Common is probably my favorite Tom Hanks movie, and he did that one. Um, I fully agree with you on that. Yeah, it's it's a. It's a good one. I would like to rewatch that one. Maybe do that one because it see, never gets talked about. See if ever. It, never. You never hear about it. Um, and it was one of those movies where even when I was a kid watching it, I was like, oh, there's like a lot of a lot of feels here. There's a lot to this. This isn't just like goofy Tom Hanks, who's yeah. still the best Tom Hanks. But um, and uh, well, it's 80s Tom Hanks. 80s, 80s Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks is the best Hanks. Um, but, uh, and then the other one is Soap Dish. You know, I feel like people, people really know Soap Dish as a, as a comedic movie. Soap Dish is great. Um, Soap Di- I love that movie. I forgot that he did Beaches and he did Frankie and Johnny. He, yes, he did do Beaches. My God. Um. Exit to Eden. <laughs> did you ever yeah, see that movie? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, it's Rosie O'Donnell. In, it's Rosie O'Donnell in S&M clothing. And I'm like, oh, what? But Dana Delaney was in it, and then mm-hmm. I had a crush on her back in the day. So, yeah, what's the um, what's that great Dana Delaney movie with Willem Dafoe? Off Limits. Uh, no, it's called. Oh goodness, it's a Light Sleeper from 1992. It's a slow burn. Yes, it's like great, great indie film. That was a, It's considered an indie movie, wouldn't you say? I guess so. Fine line features. I think it was. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, I haven't heard of. I haven't thought of Light Sleeper in forever. My father really liked that one. That was on a lot. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Danny Delaney. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This this Pretty Woman movie went on to win a lot of awards and, and nominations um, Julia Roberts was nominated for Best Actress in 1991. She won the uh, Golden Globe, um, Best Screenplay, BAFTA, um, Most Performed Song from a Film was not your favorite song when we talk Hold about on. music. Can I guess what it is? Yeah. Uh, because we will we will talk about the soundtrack, but is it... Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison? No, it is uh, It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. It won uh, the BMI Film and TV Awards. It won. It won that. 
Um, and uh, Julie, yeah, I said Julie Roberts won uh, the Golden Globe, but uh, the, the, it was also nominated for Best Motion Picture at the Golden Globes. Um, Richard Gere was also nominated at the Golden Globes. Hector Elizondo nominated Supporting Actor at the Golden Globes. Rightfully so. He deserves that. He definitely deserved a nomination. Yeah. I don't know about Richard Gere's performance, if they feel like it's kind of, again, one note. Yeah. Like it could have been anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did, did you know that some of the, did, did you read up on who some of the potential people that turned down the leads for this? It was a little crazy. <laughs> it was almost stupid, like to the point where I was like, I don't even know how much of this is accurate because it was like literally everyone in Hollywood at that time was considered everyone, not only for Julie Roberts, for Vivian Ward, but for Richard Gere as well. I'm going to list some of them off and I want you to tell me if you think that they would have done a good job, like you would have, yes or no? Like, would you have cast this person in this role? Okay. For the lead of Edward, played by Richard Gere. Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. It would have been interesting, yeah. Kevin Klein. Sure. Okay, all three of those, good. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Right, <laughs> no. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Uh, Burt Reynolds would have been, that would have been quite an age gap, right? Yeah. At this point he was doing sitcoms. At that point. 91 Burt Reynolds. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think think he did cop and a half at that point. I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and Albert Brooks. Right. I mean, that's the thing about, cause like Albert Brooks is not, I'd say no. Well, He's so, uh, you know, he's so nebbishy for the most part. And I love when Albert Brooks does something where he is like a villain, like in Drive, or he's just, you know, has those dark turns, but he's not known for that. So it would be very, um, if Gary Marshall didn't want someone pushing that role, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Albert Brooks can't be that. Yeah. I would think he'd play the Jason Alexander role really well. The sidekick. Well, definitely. The lawyer. Definitely. Okay, so let's go on the flip to Julia Roberts' Vivian character. Karen Allen, at this point in her career, she's obviously from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, at this point in her career, I think she was doing a movie called Brain Scan. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah, um, Molly Ringwald. Right. I, and and I've heard of varying stories with this. Like one was that she was offered it, she turned it down because she didn't want to be prostitute and granted, she had a brand. You come out of the Rat Pack, you, she did. you you know, you have a brand. So it is. Um, but then later, it seems like recently she's done interviews where people have asked her about it. And she said, no, no, I, I didn't even know I was offered it or something. You know, so it's, oh. very, it's very confusing. Um, or, would you have cast her, though? Would you? If, if I would not have cast table? her, no. Yeah, same. I agree. I'll just throw one more out there. Brooke Shields. <sighs> I don't. I don't think so. No. no. Sorry, I'm going to go a couple more then. Because, yeah, I don't think so either. Mary Steenburgent. Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen. Parenthood at this time. No. no. Yeah. Wasn't Julia Roberts like in her 20s? Like, yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. But Diane Lane? How about Diane Lane? Diane Lane 
would work, but I don't think, I don't see her do, you know, she wouldn't have done that sort of adorable, uh, you know, I could see Diane Lane getting very mad at the store clerks yeah. and doing that fine. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I'll throw one out there that wasn't on this list, but then it just made me think of her uh, based on kind of looks. Jamie Gertz. Right. Jamie Gertz. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's 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 hard because the whole character of Vivian Ward is like you're you're almost questioning like well did she kind of fall into this prostitution thing accidentally and it sort of seems like she did but Jamie yeah. Gertz I think would just be like she would seem like an undercover the whole time like I I don't I don't I couldn't believe that she knew what she was doing yeah, it would be more bumbling yeah, no, I agree. or something. Well, it makes me think of her role in Quicksilver, which we talked about way back when. First, of season. course, of course, that was like a third episode that we did. Yeah, yeah, and how she is supposed to be tough from the street, like a tough runaway. But she's really not. Yeah, she's really not. And Vivian, you know, Julia Roberts exudes that kind of toughness. She really does, except for that scene. Which I think is a brilliant scene, by the way. The, the montage, well, it's prior to the shopping montage. Uh, when she goes into the Gears character, Edward gives her money to go shopping to get a dress. And she goes, it's a famous, it's probably one of the most famous scenes in the movie where she's turned down, she's hum- humiliated, basically. Um, and I said to Kristen, I'm like, do you think what she's wearing in that scene, like that would constitute her being judged like that? She goes, well, she's not really dressed like she's kind of dressed, you know, inappropriately. I guess. Yeah. Well, Beverly Hills in, in 89 too, you know, like not that I have any idea what that was like, but, uh, you know, it, there, there was, it was always classist. Yes. I mean, it still is. You can't get to Beverly Hills in any easy way. They don't want trains running through there. They don't want you parking. <laughs> No, it's simply yeah. Sunset Boulevard. That's the only way to get there, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. main the main way. Um, yeah, it's, it's a powerful, I think it's a powerful scene. Well, actually, the follow-up when she's with Hector Elizondo's yeah. character, uh, that is the emotional scene that really shows, like, the sympathy you have when she's with Barney. And he plays it so well. And she plays it well too, because she could have been a blubbering mess, but she does it in a way that it's it's just it's not too over the top. It's just really well done. And what is your name, miss? What do you want it to be? Don't play with me, young lady. Vivian. Thank you. Vivian. Well, Miss Vivian. Things that go on in other hotels don't happen at the Regent Beverly Wilshire. Now, Mr. Lewis, however, is a very special customer, and we like to think of our special customers as friends. Now, as a customer, we would expect Mr. Lewis to sign in any additional guests, but as a friend, we're willing to overlook it. Now, I'm assuming that you're a relative? Yes. I thought so. Then you must be his... Niece? Of course. Naturally, when Mr. Lewis leaves, I won't see you in this hotel again. I assume you have no other uncles here? 
Good, then we understand each other. I would also encourage you to dress a little more appropriately. That'll be all. No, that's not all. That's what I was trying to do. I tried to go get a dress on Rodeo Drive today, and the women wouldn't help me. And I have all this money now and no dress. Not that I expect you to help me, but I have all of this, okay? I have to buy a dress for dinner tonight, and nobody will help me. Oh, man, if you were calling the cops. Yeah, call the cops. That's, that's great. Tell them I said hi. Women's clothing. Bridget, please. Yes, Bridget, hello. This is Barnard Thompson here at the Regent Beverly Will... <laughs> Thank you. Yes, but I'd like you to do a favor for me, please. I'm sending someone over. Her name is Vivian. She's a special guest. She's the niece of a very special guest. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a genuine friendship that they form. He's calling her Miss Vivian and... Uh... There's sort of that mislead of like, oh, is he going to throw her out? And it's like, no, no, he's, he uh, sees something on her that he empathizes with. And it's, yeah, it is very sweet. And of course, then she goes back to those two ladies who were rude to her. And you work on commission, right? You lost out big time. (laughs) I I love that. And I love the montage, the shopping montage scene. It's so great. I think that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. You're talking about a, a significant uh difference it, it's that it's a gigantic contrast because you have this is the before where you're trying to just you know uh do stuff on your own and like no now, now you've got me in your corner it's a completely different game and um but the shopping might be your favorite you say i think that's my favorite scene in the movie actually because it's now it's like yeah yeah let's do this yeah it's the, and i love a good shopping montage the turning point I mean, you'd love a good montage. I, you know, I period. do. So, <laughs> it, but it's that is that is the moment where she goes from, you know, just being old, naive Vivian to like, oh, and naive in the in the Beverly Hills sense. Yes, not in the not in the sense of the world. She gets her confidence. Yeah, she gets her confidence back. Yep, because as a prostitute, she did not. No, she lost it. And they kind of allude that she hadn't done it a whole lot. Like she had some regulars, but, you know. She was uh, like a startup, I think. She was getting her feet wet. You know, she was not, uh, yeah, not bringing in business. And this is made evident from the fact that she's not a very good negotiator. With, no. with With that, you know, she's just like, he's like, give me a price. How much? And she's like, you couldn't afford it. And he's like, try me. She's like, $100. And he's like, all right, great. I was like, you couldn't afford it. What didn't she, didn't she say she dropped out of high school or she didn't make it past the 10th grade or something like that? Something, eighth grade, something like that. Yeah. 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 Seventh, seventh or eighth grade. Oh my God. Wow. Um, can we talk a little bit about the soundtrack now? Because it's controversial. We can. First of all, the soundtrack overall is amazing. In fact, it's considered one of the better soundtracks. It's a triple platinum soundtrack. So that just tells you how many people triple bought this platinum. thing. Triple um, platinum. Yeah. And 
almost all the songs that are on the soundtrack are actually in the movie for longer than five seconds, which is, uh, you know, for the late 80s, early 90s, is unheard of for some movies. We've talked about this. We complain about this. Um, At first in the movie, I thought they were just going to blow the load of all the songs because they do. They like shoot out three or four songs right one after the other. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this is a little jarring to me because they're going to like, it's literally like someone shuffling on their iPod. Nope, nope, next song, next song. But it's got, of course, Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman song, which I think they he redid for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like Dustin, you mentioned Roxette's It Must Have Been Love, which is a great song. I uh, actually like that song more now than I did back then, but that tracks because I was a teenager and I was like more into metal and hard rock. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Peter Cetera, Natalie Cole's song is a great song. And of course, oh, and you know what? My wife, the song Fallen by Lauren Wood comes on and and Kristen goes, I love this song. Mm. This is what this song is from. And she started singing along to it. goes can you put this on my playlist i'm like yeah i will <laughs> what, what does that mean put this on my playlist oh because i make her mix cds i've been making her mix cds since we dated so i'm up to like 30 some odd cds i've made her okay and and they normally are signify something right they do they're they're just songs that mean something to her us um there's like 20- but i mean you give them on like a holiday or a right or you just give them randomly Well, when we first started dating i was giving them to her randomly and then now I give them to her for special occasions. Yeah, Valentine's Day, our anniversary, Bodhi. I have clips of Bodhi talking in between each track and, and introducing right. them. It's really, yeah, it's over the top. So, so, so has this song made it onto a playlist, or will it be on an upcoming? Oh, it'll be on a future play, future a future yeah. a future mix CD. Yes, because yeah, okay, because we watched this right before the uh, winter breaks or right after, I think. And I've made a CD right before that, so. I'm not gonna, you know, I got to put at least like 15 songs on there. You're right. You gotta, you gotta make it worth it. <laughs> you can't just put on two or something. So for all of you patrons who signed up to our highest level, where I actually make, we make a mix CD for you. It's good. It's really good. It's good. Yeah. Um, Fifteen dollars a month will get you a new uh, mix CD. Um, maybe with some clips of, from Zach's son saying he loves you on there too. Who knows? But every six months you're, you're guaranteed a new, a new one of those. So that is fun. Um, something I just wanted to say before we get deeper in the soundtrack is that the original title of this movie was $3,000, uh, which is the amount that they agreed upon. Oh, it's um, 3000. Okay. $3,000. So, um, those that were listening earlier, but Disney changed the title to pretty woman and a Glad they did because three thousand dollars is a really stupid name for a movie. It's a terrible. Um, yeah, you know after the the Roy Orbison song and um, 
uh, oh, yeah. Oh, pretty woman. Interesting. Interesting. Well, um, you know, the, the movie opens with King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. I personally love that song. You do not. I hate it. I hate it so much. Wow. It puts me in the worst mood. That's amazing. Um, it's it's so dumb. Like, it's just so like... <laughs> I don't need... Uh, like it, I don't I, need I, to I, fall at your feet. No, so you're adding some soul to it. It's not like that. It's Whoa, not even really? like that. It's... there's Yeah, there's nothing... It's... Um, it's... It... I hear it. It's it like sucks energy from me. I want it to be over immediately. And we've talked about Go wow. West. You know, I do enjoy Go West. Um, yeah. My favorite song, by the way, is Call Me. Which I mentioned to you many times. I don't think you remember that. And I was going to guess. You wanted. I thought you were going to let me guess. And we've talked about. No, we talked about. Uh, you know that I don't like this song, but you blocked that out too. I don't know why, but maybe because you love it, and I and I appreciate that. It's not my favorite but, Go West song. Um, your favorite Go West song is. I don't remember. Come on. If wait, if I I just need to look. I'll tell you what yours is. I, I do know what it is. Uh, it, it's in the... parentheses. It's called the sequel. That, oh, because they remastered it for their greatest hits. I just need. Uh, oh, all right. Well, I thought you were just going to take a wild guess, and here you are looking up "Go West." Well, no, songs. because yeah, because um, right. I don't. I my intention was not to cheat here, but it was just like if I if I have it, um in front of me then i'll be able to to guess it. is it so it's we close our eyes nope oh. we close our eyes and dirt 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 dir, dir, but i do like that song that's a great song hmm. talk to strangers they, that that song to me is is a like jazzercise move back oh don't look down don't look down don't look yeah, yeah, down yeah, yeah, girl sure. yeah, yeah oh yeah. that song is so good right. call me is a great song yeah, yeah. Yeah. Call Me is a great song featured in the Grand Theft Auto 5 or 4, Vice City. Uh, 2, really? It was part 2? Well, Vice, it's Vice City. Yeah. It's Vice City, Vice so City. that's not 2. Great soundtrack for a video game. Quite possibly the greatest soundtrack for a video game. Yeah. Uh, and that song is amazing, but Don't Look Down is my favorite. Yeah, and I, I have no problem with Don't Look Down. But you have a problem with King of Wishful Thinking. I do. Hmm. I do. I mean, there's a reason why That's Paul Rudd and Jimmy Fallon do that shot for shot because they're kind of mocking it. Well, the video is ridiculous. It's it, ridiculous. It is ri so bad. And Go West always has like, I feel like he's always like, they're always presenting the key to the city. It's always like a giant key that's being held. 
Well, no, he's um, got a wrench in his hand. A wrench. That's what it is. A wrench. Peter Cox. Peter Cox is the lead singer and um, Peter Richard Cox. Drummy and Martin Page. Are the, but Richard Drummy, I think, is like the main guitarist. And, and then I think he's featured in that video as well. Oh, my God. Uh, that's off. So dumb. The, the, the album, I think it's off of, uh, well, it, that, was, that song was a big hit for them. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fine. It's, I, I know you know, you it's like just, it. well, I was so happy that it like didn't play the long time. Like, I felt like, oh, Gary Marshall must understand because he could have had <laughs> wow. it play out. He could have had it play out for the entire, you know, driving scene that opens the movie, but he didn't. He was like, we need to switch. Well, it doesn't, and we need it, to switch. It doesn't fit the character. It's just a song, like watching it now in context. When I originally, when that song first came out, I'm like, oh, it's he. Richard Gere must be the king of wishful thinking. No, he's not. He's not. Well, n- no, I mean that's, but that's that's like little kid brain, right? Where we assign very <laughs> literal. No, but no. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're when you're a kid and you assign very literal connections to a song, whereas that's not necessarily what the filmmaker was doing. You know, a lot of times, right? Movies, songs end up in movies because of some deal with the record label and the studio. Totally. Right. Whatever. Like we need to, we want to promote this band, whatever. Yeah. So what I'm saying is it's like, no, Richard Gere is literally nothing to do with wishful thinking in this. If anything, he's not, he's just logical thinking mind. (laughs) Well, I think of, you know, I think I'm thinking off the top of my head, no Easy Way Out. No Easy Way Out by Robert Tepper in uh, Rocky Four. Perfect song for that scene because it totally tracks what's happening in that scene, right? Uh, the Quicksilver Lightning song in Quicksilver. Perfect scene. Perfect song for the the, the, the race scene that they have. Um, right. Bill, the Pat Benatar song in Legend of Billie Jean. So I associate, if you're going to feature a song so prominently, like the beginning of the movie, Versus it just being a moment where it's like he switched the he turned the car on and the radio just happened to be playing King of Wishful Thinking. That's what it sounds like to me. It's like the radio is just playing whatever's on there. Right. I mean that that is sort of what's happening, but the fact that they switch real hard and I don't know. I would have to watch this shot for shot. I don't know if this is like this is supposed to be Richard Gere's music and then we go to Real Wild Child, Wild One when Julia Roberts is is escaping. No. Uh, they just show. They just like it, it's a rough transit. It's right? still Hollywood. It's Boulevard. just right. He's still driving. Yeah, yeah. He's still driving. And they just kind of fade out. That would have made fade more in. sense. What you're describing um, would have made much, much more sense. So, <laughs> but they don't do that. Yes, right. Because it's almost like we are contracted to have X amount of seconds of this song. Yeah, X amount of seconds of this song. It's 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 weird. It's it's weird in the fact it. The only time you would have different music cues, different changes, right, would be to emotionally inform something. You want the audience to feel something yes. a little bit different. It's very strange to have these two songs pretty much play almost in their entirety while he's just driving to Beverly Hills. Yes. It's very strange. So that being said, what would you <laughs> consider your favorite song? That's another saying of mine, that being said. Uh, what, what would you consider the best song on this soundtrack to be. Yeah. 
Well, and to be clear, I wasn't laughing at your phrasing. I was just laughing at like, like I'm, I'm way too passionate about this. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like I've, like I'm, I'm in court defending or, or, you know, I'm the prosecutor being like, here's why go West is, uh, on the stand. <laughs> well, it's a favorite in our house. That's for sure. we sing it all the time. Bodhi I think I. you sing it all the time. Kristen is not singing King of Wishful Thinking all the time. No. Is she? Uh, no, Kristen's not singing, but she does like that song. Does she? She likes it. I think she likes it more after Paul Rudd made fun of it on the Tonight Does show. she like it more than Roxette? It must have been love. Is that your pick? Yes, absolutely. It must have been. That's the one that kind of makes sense. Let me ask her. Hold on. Hey, French, which song do you like more? Uh, King of Wishful Thinking by Go West or It, it Must Have Been Love by Roxette? She said it must have been love. <laughs> but it's over right. now. But it's over now. It's over now. Rest in peace by... Oh, she said she's tired of King of Wishful Thinking because I played it too much. Oh, all right. Doesn't necessarily tell you that it's a bad song. Rest in peace to the Roxette singer, by the way. You just destroyed it. Yeah. Uh, Marie Fredrickson. It is sad. A sad story. They were so Um, good, by the way. She's got the look. That's my favorite Roxette song. I mean, that, you know, Roxette was one of those bands that I just feel like was always uh, when I would wake up on my alarm and if I set it to Top 40 Radio, mm, seven times out of 10, it would be a Roxette song that I would be waking up to, I feel like. I Yeah, I same. And when I, but I wanted Go West. <clears throat> right. Well, I could see you being the kind of person who like makes a mixtape and then programs your you know stereo to wake you up to that like so, like you you have a an alarm clock that's a cassette player i uh, didn't just, but i would have if i could have yeah, right if you could have and and figured that out. And, was that a thing i mean i, I, I you weird. know what i think it is i feel like there was an alarm that would that would yeah hmm. um but go west was one of those bands for me that i was embarrassed to acknowledge in front of my friends because they were all listening to, you know, hard rock metal mm-hmm. and Pearl Jam and 
and I'm listening to, you know, I to I to I the horizontal mix, by the way. So that's how it's labeled. What's that's wait, what do you mean that's how it's labeled? So if you go to uh Go West, like their music discography, yeah, and you look up I to I in parentheses, it says horizontal mix. Huh. The horizontal mix. It, Interesting. So they 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 were very confident in their music getting people laid? I think so. I think so. Is that what we're saying? Yep. Go horizontal? Yep. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, the king of wishful thinking, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, that would be that would be a rough one, I think, to play. I think some of the other ones... It must have been Love's Great. Can... That Natalie that Natalie Cole song is really good too. Yeah. Wow, women do. That's good stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. I have no qualms with that. And song. I didn't realize. I'm like, oh wait, she did have songs besides the one she did with her father. Like I, she had other yeah, kind of. For sure. Because I thought I didn't think that was Natalie Cole when I first heard that. I thought it was Taylor Dane, who I who I think is really oh, kind of yeah. similar vibe, right? Taylor Dane. Oh, man. I haven't thought of her in a while. Um, then you're welcome. Or I'm sorry, yeah. depending on how you took well, that. Well, now there's a song in my head that I'm thinking about. It's like, uh, this house is a house. Let's do it for the people. Let's do it for the people. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's 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 probably Jody Watley. Oh, Jody Watley. Yeah. I can see that. No, I haven't maybe thought of not. her in a while. Uh, yeah. Is is her brother Eagle Eye Cherry, or is that somebody else? Nana, um, Nana Cherries. No, that's Nana Cherry. That's, right. that's Buffalo Stance. <laughs> Buffalo Stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm like, what's Taylor, the song about? Yoga. Taylor Dane. Oh, tell it to my heart. Love will lead you back with every beat of my heart. Prove your love. I'll always. Love you. God, Taylor Dane's got some good stuff, yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. One of the things I love about being able to do this with you is because I can now admit my love for these songs out in the open to the whole world. When I had this closeted, sheltered, like, cannot talk about these songs back in the day. This has been a reoccurring theme with us. We talk about songs that we were embarrassed to play back in the day, but... I mean, Go West was one of them. They had a song, Faithful. I will be faithful to my lover's care. Something like that. And I was, I'd be riding my mountain bike to school, listening to that on my cassette tape. I'm just like, oh, it's so good. And then I get to school and I stop, put it in my pocket. Right. <laughs> hiding it. Right. There's still something to be said about like even being at a traffic light and, and really giving yourself in to, to, to whatever music. But it's like, the, you know, like if you catch yourself in a moment and then you look to the left and it's like, do I really care about, you know, if this person sees me jamming out to, you know, something to remember me by or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of an ingrained feeling. It's like, oh, I've been caught. I've been caught. Um, now I don't care. Now I yeah. just don't care. And then something to remember me by is playing out loud for everyone to hear. And people go, what's that song? Go, yeah. Go check out our podcast. Um, okay, really quick. Why don't we talk about some fun facts from 1990? I know we're going to talk more about 90s movies in our series of shows. So the 90s will come back. I'm just going to throw a couple things out that stood out to me. And one of them ties in with Pretty Woman. 
uh, Seinfeld premiered in 1990. So Jason Alexander goes from playing a scumbag in Pretty Woman mm-hmm. to playing George Costanza. And I guess uh, in Seinfeld's Jerry's apartment, he has a VHS copy of Pretty Woman on his oh, shelf. Oh, that's funny. So there you go. Um, video game wise, the n- 1990 was a big year. But one particular video game came out in 1990 that was probably, I almost said, dare I say, dare I say the biggest game ever in the history Five, of dare Nintendo. dare I say. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, that was 1990. 1990. And, you know, the wizard came out. The tie-in with the wizard, yep. Yep. Uh, And last but not least, because, you know, I love to talk about wrestling. (laughs) Okay. So earlier today, I sent Dustin some clips of Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior doing promos on each other. A promo for people that don't know is basically like, you know, they're talking up their fight. Uh, well, 1990 was WrestleMania six in Toronto. It was Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior Championship versus Championship. There can be only one. The reason I bring that up is because it was the first time in WrestleMania history that a face versus a face took place—a good guy versus oh, a good guy, as opposed to a heel. Yes. Okay. And this was the changing that. of the guard. This was the okay. changing of the guard. This was Hogan Two good guys. passing the torch to the Ultimate Warrior in 1990. Oh, wow. Okay. That is that is a big deal. It's a really big deal. In in wrestling history, it is one of the biggest moments in wrestling history. Wow. So uh so Hulk Hogan lost. Hulk Hogan lost clean to yeah. the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. And he, at the end they hug, gives him the title, and later that year uh, Ultimate Warrior, it's 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 wrestling fable. Had a dispute with Vince McMahon over his contract and basically walked out. I think it was about a, a close to a year later and had to drop the title um, to Sergeant Slaughter, who became a, okay. a Rocky sympathizer. And Hulk Hogan okay. had to take the reins back the following year. So amazing! All right, that's interesting. Yeah, but those promos are ridiculous and entertaining. Yeah, I couldn't watch all of them because I was like, this is just, this is a lot. Well, I'll play some right now. But Ultimate Warrior, it has been written, it has been said, and it shall be done in WrestleMania 6. And if I find out that you're the one that has to walk for an eternity in my shoes, brother, let it be. But you got to prove to me by beating me and all of my Hulkamaniacs that you are the ultimate Hulkamaniac. And if you're not... What's that gonna do when the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Assume the controls, Hulk Hogan. Shove that control into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan. Push yourself to total self-destruction. 
as you realize, Hulk Hogan, you are about to enter a world close to parts unknown. Oh, smell it, warriors. Do you, Hulk Hogan, look for a place to hide? Or do you, Hulk Hogan, face that challenge that may be more powerful than even you are, Hulk Hogan? But yeah, that's 1990, and I think this is a great way to uh, uh, kind of start our season. We've got Laura Sangiacomo coming up. In fact, we've got a lot coming up. This month in particular, the month we're dropping this, it's February, but moving into March, we will, of course, have Martial Arts Madness. There's going to be a lot of fun surprises in store for that, so go to our Instagram, Twitter to find out what's coming soon. YouTube. We'll even put things on YouTube. Oh my gosh. Go check out our YouTube. Trying to promote the YouTube more. Yeah. All the video content. You got the video interviews. We're really trying to hammer that home. So if you can go and subscribe to that, if you can go and give us a a five-star review anywhere, if you you feel inclined, you're like, wow, you guys really talked about Pretty Woman amazingly. That was fantastic. Best Pretty Woman breakdown I've ever heard. Uh, (laughs) Head on over to Apple or or Spotify. Drop a review. We'd love it. Yeah, and if you like King of Wishful Thinking, or you don't, let us know. Oh, and and all you patrons out there, for those of you who uh, signed up, have been signed up for our Patreon, thank you guys so much for the continued support. And for those of you on the fence, now's your time to hop over the fence and run on over to $2 Late Fees Video Store and get a membership on Patreon. That was well said. And look, we've we've hit our mark, exactly, so. Yep. We can sign them out, but sign them out. Sign off. We can sign off. But guys, thank you. Really appreciate it. Um, $2 fee season four shall now commence. Woohoo! I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.